Hi, I'm Jamin. You're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Joanna Leopold, the Global Foresight Associate Director of North America for Mars Wrigley. Mars is an American family-owned multinational manufacturer of some of the world's largest iconic products, including M&Ms, Snickers, Orbit, Extra, and Skittles. Prior to joining Mars, Joanna served as a senior brand manager at General Mills, senior brand manager of innovation at Devendel Murray Goulburn, and the healthcare product manager at SCA. Joanna, thanks for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Jamin, it is such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I've done hundreds of interviews with today's top minds in market research. Many of them trace their role to Michigan State's marketing research program. Are you looking for higher pay to expand your professional network and to achieve your full potential in the world of marketing research? Today, the program has tracks for both full-time students and working professionals. They also provide career support, assisting students to win today's most sought-after jobs. In fact, over 80% of Michigan State's marketing research students have accepted jobs six months prior to graduating. The program has three formats. The first is a full-time, 100% online program that is taught over 12 months. It starts in January 2022. The second is a part-time 100% online program. It lasts 20 months and it starts in May, 2022. It's specifically designed for working professionals. And of course they offer a full-time 12 month in-person experience that starts in September, 2022. All programs include real world experience with full-time job placement support. If you are looking to achieve your full potential, check out MSMU's program at broad.msu.edu slash marketing. That's broad.msu.edu slash marketing. It costs nothing to get more details. Take the time, invest in yourself. You are worth it. Class sizes are limited, so please check them out today. This episode is brought to you by Momentive. You may have heard that SurveyMonkey's parent company recently rebranded as Momentive, a leader in agile insights and experience management. The Momentive AI-powered insights platform is built for the pace of modern business so you can deeply understand your market, elevate your brand, and build winning products faster. Momentive offers 22 purpose-built market research solutions that incorporate an AI engine, built-in expertise, sophisticated methodologies, and an integrated global panel of over 144 million people to deliver meaningful insights in hours, not months. Momentum also has a team of market research consultants that can take on anything from research design to custom reporting as needed. So you can spend more time shaping what's next for your organization. To learn more, visit Momentive.ai. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-I-V-E dot A-I. Let's start with some context. Tell us about your parents, how they inform what you do today. You know, I love that you start with that question because my mom is my best friend. So let's talk about her. You know, when she was young, she left her home country and moved to another country for new opportunities. And guess what? I did that four months ago. So I moved, I moved from Australia to the US as part of my role at Mars Wrigley. So she was definitely an inspiration for me. I think some of the things that she taught me you know, being raised in Poland myself and then for her to bring her three daughters (laughs) over to to Australia by herself and raise them by herself. You know, she really led by example. So she never kind of wagged her finger at me or told me what I can and can't do. She gave me so much freedom. And just watching her and observing how she behaved uh, at work, personal life gave me so much, so much to aspire to. So she she's incredibly modest 
she's very appreciative of everything she has. I think migrants normally are. And she's incredibly, incredibly hardworking, kind, generous soul. So she, she's my inspiration. And, and yeah, she, she's really sort of led by example for me. We can keep talking about her if you like. Her name is Maria. <laughs> <laughs> it's very obvious that she's had a lot of influence on your character in terms of who you are and, and how you act. How about in the context of your professional ambition? You have accomplished a lot in a short amount of time. I think probably similar to a lot of parents in her generation, they sort of want you to have more than what they had and try to set you up for success, give you education, push you towards those things that maybe you're a little bit hesitant to go towards when you were younger. I remember when I came to Australia, she made me go to Saturday morning school to maintain my Polish, which I still can speak. Thank you very much. But I hated it at the time. You know, it's all of these sort of hardworking regiments that you push back on when you're younger that then actually just form a part of your character when you're when you're older. So I'd say that that's been a really big driving force for me coming into the, I guess, corporate space or building my career is those things have just been ingrained in me as, you know, work your butt off, be really appreciative for every opportunity that comes your way, make it your own. You know, you are not like everybody else. You have your own history and your own background and your own dynamics of how you became who you are. So bring that into everything that you do. Um, obviously, be incredibly respectful of people's times, of different ways of working, different backgrounds, and try to learn as much as you can from other people and context that you're in and I'm really incredibly grateful that Mars Wrigley has given me the chance to do that in the U.S. because it's just a whole other world over here and I'm learning so much. So Generation Z currently is coming into its own. They're entering the workforce by 2030. They will represent 30% of the U.S. workforce and over $2 trillion of post-tax money in our economy. Very material. Thinking about Mars Wrigley, uh, you know, Mars plays an important role in a lot of ways as a... Um, observer of the coming of age moments in our lives, as well as the little things like the ongoing rituals. So for example, this Friday night, we're going to do a little family movie and the kids, you know, here at the house and the kids are going to have popcorn and popcorn and M&Ms. Of course, they dig right to the bottom of the, <laughs> they dig right to the bottom for the M&Ms. And, and additionally, thinking about like these coming of age moments inside of our society, you know, you've got things like prom and graduation, et cetera, and, and candy is always part of those experiences. How are you seeing Gen Z as different than previous generations? Yeah, I mean, it's a really rich question um, because I think sometimes we like to think about Gen Z as being quite simple to work out because they are so distinct and they're growing up in such a unique way. So actually they are very complex, <laughs> complex creatures. On the one hand, I think what's really unique about them is their their love of food. They have a very strong food culture. It's the thing that they spend the most of their discretionary spend on. And we know food is a social connector, so it's it's a really important part of how they you know, connect with their friends, with other people and how they establish their individuality, which obviously affords us some really great opportunities. Within that, there's a lot of dynamic of, you know, they're looking for escape. They're looking to have a bit of fun. They're looking for things that are simple, but playful creativity. They're so creative because they are content creators in the end. 
just sort of redefining even what a comfort food is. So spag bol, spaghetti bolognese, I don't know, do we use that in the US? Spag bol is not a comfort food for them. Fur is a comfort food. You know, they're, they're really sort of more diverse in their repertoire of food. And they're, they're much more about community. So really sort of tapping into locally made food and produce and celebrating that. On the other hand, they do want simplicity and convenience and ease of use. And when we talk about them, we often say they want to be a lot healthier and they're reducing their meat intake and they're trying to be much more sustainable in their choices. And that's not actually coming through as much in their behavior as what we would like it to. They still want those things that we wanted when we were younger. So I think it's really it's a really nice exercise to sort of look at the dichotomy of their behavior versus their intent. But they certainly have you know, I think a really, really great brand in the sense that they are thought to be, you know, incredibly passionate about the environment, incredibly open about diversity, incredibly adaptable to technology. So all of these things that make them, I think, much more progressed than prior generations, but also fundamentally, they're so human, you know, they feel stress and anxiety and they're feeling the pressure that's put on them by all of these amazing labels and you know the the pressure to fix the world essentially the burden that they're carrying so i think that they're a really interesting generation i think probably what's most interesting for me for them and what's different to prior generations is who their parents are going back to your first question so their parents are gen x right the mtv generation you know and they were the ones that <laughs> yeah that's you <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you know, you've got a Gen Z in the house, right? So you you don't remember a time before civil rights. That's what you grew up with is an openness to diversity and equity. Hmm. Um, you know, you were the first generation to have computers in your house or so technologically adaptable. There's so many similarities with how Gen X grew up and how they're now raising their Gen Z kids. I think that's a really interesting thing to consider when we when we talk about, you know, what's primed for this generation, thinking about, you know, the younger spectrum where they're, you know, hitting their 14, 15 year old age and, you know, uh, coming into, you know, developing who they are as a person, but also at the other end of it where they're sort of coming into their 30s in five years time and, and they're going to, you know, start to become well and truly adults, although I'm in my mid-30s and I don't think I'm still an adult in a lot of ways. But yeah, they're, they're a really interesting generation to continue to unpick and hopefully continue to not put simple labels on. Hmm. That's so interesting. I had actually not thought about it in the context of being raised by Gen Z. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting difference than being raised by a boomer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also, you know, it makes me think because, you know, I'm in foresight. So I'm, I'm like constantly thinking about, you know, 10 years from now, Gen Alpha, who's going to be in their 20s. They're the Gen Z we're going to be talking about in a few years. And, you know, they're raised by millennials. That's, that's going to be interesting to dissect as well. Yeah, that actually is. I, you know, I'm all over TikTok these days. And it's a really good platform to understand uh, content creators, predominantly, not that Gen Z owns content creation on any platform, but like you see a lot of Gen Z on TikTok and not just disproportionate because of, you know, what I scroll through. It's just like categorically the case. Having said that, I'm exposed to lots of different advertisements and product placements and influencer endorsements in, you know, Instagram and, and other social areas. What do you see as some common mistakes that brands are making related to and the connection with Gen Z? 
Uh, I think going back to what we were talking about just before, I think it's it's sort of oversimplifying them. And I think that just tends to happen when we talk about generations and demographics in general. We try to make it as simple as possible for ourselves. So I think it's important to remind ourselves that they are not all the same. You know, within Gen Z, you can't just say that they're all moving away from religion as an example. That's not the case. Or that they all feel exactly the same way and are ready to adopt behaviors around the environment because they live in very different parts of, for example, America, where they may or may not have that infrastructure or that heritage and upbringing. Mm So I think just sort of understanding that they not they are not all the same is a really good starting point. I think also, then, go on. And then in context of like not being the same, like is part of the burden then for brands having to create custom communication to each subsegment inside of Gen Z, or is it the case that they're better off kind of like taking positions on to your example environmental issues? Yeah, I think that we are starting to see a lot more of that, actually, definitely starting to move away from mass marketing. And I think that platforms like TikTok allow you to do that in a really effective way, effective and efficient way, which is great. It does mean that we, I think we're putting less stringency on measuring ROI, which is a really important part of branding and marketing that, you know, maybe there's a little bit of an over-index on experimentation. But that's what tends to happen with new platforms anyway. But I think that one of the things that that's causing is that we, well, maybe it's two things. One is that I think brand marketers are leaning a lot more into fame campaigns. So really thinking around how you can generate earned content off the back of one piece of content that's created. I mean, that's sort of like the TikTok platform, right? It's like one great idea that's amplified your reach uh, naturally. So brands are starting to think about how do I do that for myself, which is a really interesting move. I remember having conversations around fame campaigns not being measurable, you know, five years ago and, you know, brand owners really pushing back on that. So that's an interesting shift. And then I would say the other one is content creation or co-creation with young people on these platforms and not just a sponsored post where someone's holding up your pack of chocolate or whatever it might be, you know, and then, you know, the influences now that are sort of taken less seriously because of that, because they are seen like they are just paid, paid by the company, but those influences or key opinion consumers that are, you know, very authentic, they actually love your brand and you partner with them, you co-create with them to generate content. I think that that is a a really interesting move by brands and definitely where I see the future headed in terms of marketing with Gen Z. Yeah. I mean, the co-creation is something I, it's so interesting. The quality of like the on-brandness, if people, if you follow, whether it's Instagram uh, influencers or uh, influencers on TikTok or wherever, you know, influencers typically have a a story script that they tend to follow, um, a way of communicating. And it varies, but like generally speaking, it's like on brand for them. And one of the things that I've been seeing in the last, I would say even six months, is a significant increase in the people that I follow actually adjusting their story so that the, and it feels like it's like something that's normally totally organic, but then at the end, it's a punch punchline for like, and watch this TV program on Netflix or eat this particular food or whatever, right? And, and it feels very authentic because it, you know, kind of is authentic to who they are and how they communicate. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, even just the example that you gave before around how you're going to have movie night with your Gen Z in the house mm -hmm. is a great example of how that idea could start is just really understanding how do they use your product and in what moments are they naturally leaning into it or, you know, what they're looking, what more they're looking for from that moment and then leveraging that as a starting off point. I can see the TikTok video now that hopefully you're going to produce eating the M&Ms. <laughs> I am 100% going to do that. You wait and see. I love it. Tune in on Saturday. All right. I mean, so you kind of like, you kind of like moved into my next question, which is really around what is one piece of advice that you would give a brand that wants to connect with Gen Z? Yeah, definitely. And that's exactly what I would say is, you know, along that train of thought of they are content creators and, you know, they're, they're becoming a lot more savvy on these platforms as well. They're not just there to have a good time. They're there to make money and create a business. And I think that's a really big shift in Gen Z versus prior generations as well. Going back to Got your it. earlier question. So we know 62% of Gen Z want to start their own business. I mean, that's huge, right? And they're, they're thinking about their own business in a very nonlinear way than the way that we used to think about it, where it's this huge investment and I'm putting everything on the line. They're sort of dabbling in that while they're doing their studies or you know, their, their regular day jobs. So that's really inter interesting if we think about them as a generator of ideas and thinking about them as almost like a problem solver for the world. Like what are they passionate about and interested in and what are the gaps that they're identifying? And therefore, what ideas do you think that they might create to solve those problems? And how could you as a brand partner with them on that? Yeah, it, it is interesting. Your 62% of Gen Zers uh, want to start their own business. And, and, and part of that, I think, is just a function of the um, ability or the access to jobs right now on their terms, right? So I like giving the example of my Gen Zer. He has a 35 hour a week job, you know, so it's like making rent and whatever for him. But then on top of it, if he wants some extra money, he can do, he quite literally has three other things that he can do. One of them, which is like driving uh, around food for people, right? Through Uber Eats or what have you. So like, you know, just the sheer access to being able to make side money is now in his mind, he's thinking, and not that he's like representative of a generation, but he's literally thinking about, I want to start a restaurant. So like, what's the path to doing that? And that's like a five-year plan, five to 10-year plan for him. So yeah, it's a, it is interesting how you're seeing that sort of like entrepreneurship really take hold in that generation. Yeah. And it's, it's a really good point as well that, you know, on the one hand, they're thinking in a very nonlinear way about their career and how they can get to where they want to go and, you know, dabbling in a few things like what you're saying, but also like the anxiety that they're feeling about, to your point, the lack of jobs that are out there and the fear around like, what kind of an education should I be undertaking now that's going to take me, what, five years is the average in the U.S.? By the time that's done, what kind of new technology is going to be around that makes me already, you know, behind on the skill that I need to have to create that career? So it's an interesting challenge and opportunity for them. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, he's actually dropping out of the personalized further, which is such a mistake. Um, but he's actually dropping out of college, right, to start culinary school in the evenings and then the aspiration to getting into a top culinary school and, you know, which is by recommendation only. So he's like creating this like whole reverse engineering this plan to be able to get a recommendation from a top chef. So it is super interesting to see like the thought process that he's going through. So anyway, it's an it's an important point that you're making really about how brands should be able to connect with uh, and co-create content that helps their message and ideals really punch through. Yeah, and you know, I would say 
everything that we want this generation to be is also what they want to be for the world. So, mm. you know, we we often in Foresight talk about preferred futures and these things that we would like to play out. We sort of want them to come in and be better than us. Um, like I'm sure you feel, for, you know, for your kids, like my mom feels for me. Sure. And um, we, we want this generation to create, you know, the future that's better for themselves and for, for everybody and for the generations that are to come. So how can we as brand owners think about how we can support that and enable it and it's really easy i think to pay out younger generations as being like oh their their attention span is so short and they waste so much time on social media it's just it's easy and we all do it of every generation but how do we how do we think about them as you know being these these drivers of change of the future and how can you as a brand owner which is an incredibly powerful position to be in how can you help support them creating a better future for all of us such a powerful point of view and, and such a great kind of illustration of how brands are thinking differently about uh, moving from just how much money can we extract from the ecosystem or the economy or, or households. Um, instead, it's, it's much more about how we can create, co-create a sustainable and successful future. Yeah, definitely. All right, shift gears a little bit. So we're coming out of post-pandemic world, I think. <laughs> This is October 27, 2021. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll see what we'll yeah. see what happens. What is one market research trend that will carry us into 2022? You know, I think that it's one that we've noticed that's been, let's say, trending for a longer period of time that I think will maintain or accelerate. Um, and I think it's a part of what you do and, you know, what you presented on at the CRC conference, which I think was so engaging. And it's, I'm going to say, you know, qualitative research, but this lean into just seeing the faces of you know our consumers and hearing it in their own words and then sharing that back to our business we've talked about this before a little bit but you know i think a lot of brands and a lot of big companies have been moving so much into quantitative research and you know really relying on that to pressure test our strategies and now we're sort of understanding that hey consumers are not consumers they're not a transaction point they're human beings how do we really demonstrate this not only in our plans and and what we create for our business but how do we bring this into the leadership forum so that everybody is exposed to that so i think qualitative research is a is obviously a great way to do that and now we have these these tools and these resources to be able to do that differently like you were presenting on to us on TikTok and how, how you can leverage that platform to engage with consumers. There are new and powerful ways to make the voice of the consumer heard, not just through a data point, but in their own words. Yeah, it's, it kind of gets to this like, so much of research, we try to actually, the points come out of the research itself, right? But we're actually able to create a better story if we can leverage some of these great storytellers that may not even know that you know we're borrowing from them to create this really meaningful full insight. There's so much amazing stuff that is happening on social today that we just need to be able to tune into and have the humility as researchers to pay attention to and consume so that it can give us a broader, more full perspective on the market. Yeah, I love that. And you know, even that, that video that you shared at the CRC conference where you're listening to that one consumer talk about how representation and research and how do you frame the questions in the right way and like what really struck me listening to that is how articulate and smart that consumer was so you know sometimes we don't want to like listen to the voice of one consumer and extrapolate but even just hearing how they speak what words they're using and how intelligent they are that is really powerful for sure okay uh my last question what is your personal motto my personal motto is to take the luxury to think 
So often I think we do, 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 and gosh, I am definitely guilty of that. I'm very action-oriented, and I think it's really important to not think about thinking as a luxury and like something that you like a moment in your day where you you're being lazy or you're not being productive but actually we're absorbing so much as consumers and as people as workers we need to actually take a moment to not only reflect on that but also to form our own thoughts around it so not to copy and paste other opinions because we're exposed to so many opinions at the moment um, but to really take the time to form your own thought and spend that time thinking my guest today has been jo- Joanna Leopore, Global Foresight Associate Director, North America, Mars. Joanna, thank you. Thanks, Jamin. Everybody else, I hope you found some value in this episode. Please, please, please take time, screen capture, share it on social media. I will send you a t-shirt and I just got a fresh batch in. Have a great rest of your day.